us this afternoon. Will you please stand with me? I'll be reading John 4.14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Foster, will you please open us in a word of prayer? All right, can you guys join me in singing page 121, Like a Rainbow Footprints of Jesus.
share a poem that I learned many years ago. It's just kind of stuck with me. Um, some of you may know it. It's My Advocate uh, by Martha, Martha Nicholson. Uh, and it goes like this. Uh, I sinned, and straightway, post haste, Satan flew before the presence of the Most High God and made railing accusation there. He said, this soul, this thing of clay and sod has sinned. It's true he has named your name, but I demand his death. For thou hast said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Shall not thy sentence be fulfilled? Is justice dead? Send now this wretched sinner to his doom. What other thing can righteous rulers do? And so he did accuse me, night and day. Every word he spoke, O God, was true. Then one rose up from God's right hand, before whose glory angels veiled their eyes. He said, each jot and tittle of law must be fulfilled. The guilty sinner dies. But wait, suppose his guilt were all transferred to me, and that I paid his penalty. Behold my hands, my side, my feet. One day I was made sin and died, that he might be presented faultless before thy throne. And straightway Satan fled away. Full well he knew he could not prevail against such love. For every word my dear Lord spoke was true. 
at me. He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to move on my part when I was in college. Quick story before we do the quiz. Uh, when I was in college, um, our pastor, Pastor Gaddis, did this in a service, and he was preaching out of Galatians, and uh, the week before, he had kind of opened up the series. He had just started the book, and so he kind of laid out uh, how the book was going, some of the themes, you know, things that we've done here before, and uh, so he came the next week, and he did a pop quiz, and I was sitting on the second row, and uh, he asked me the question, and I didn't know the answer. And so, thankfully, I had a friend right behind me that whispered the answer to me. And I said it out loud pretty quickly, and it looked great, but it wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully, you got some people behind you that are helping you out. But All right, so, pop quiz. Uh, uh, one of the themes of 1 Samuel is uh, who God chooses to use, or who God chooses to honor, and how is that, what is that based on? How does God choose who to use or who to honor?
Yes, yeah, very good. Miss Chin gets the, well, there's no candy to throw to you, but uh, you got the right, yeah. Those who honor God are the ones who God honors, right? That's 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse number 30. Them that honor me, I will honor. And then the, the other side of that is also true, that those who, dis, who despise God, God will lightly esteem them. And that's what we see coming true in our passage today in 1 Samuel 4, is that those people, and specifically Hophni and Phinehas, who despised God, would now be lightly esteemed by God. And we'll see the effects of that as we look at 1 Samuel chapter number 4 and verse number 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh. Shiloh was about uh, 20 miles from where they were, which was not a short, short distance back then. Uh, or it was a short distance back It was not a short distance. Here we go. This, we're starting good. It was a pretty long distance back then, right? They had chariots, maybe, if they were lucky. Uh, so it, was, it would have been a long distance. So they sent 20 miles to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And then you recall that in the law, uh, God said that the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was not to be put on wheels. It was to be carried on the shoulders of people. So it would be, be walked all the way back uh, to where they were in Ebenezer, where they were camped. And so it, it would have been a long process. But they said, let's, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant here. And so picking up back in verse 4. They may bring, the, uh, bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, notice this, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They weren't the best theologically, uh, but they did know what they were up against. They knew the stories from Egypt. They knew the stories of what God had done. They didn't have it all figured out, but they knew who they were up against. Verse number 9, Be strong and quit yourselves like men, or rally together and, and strengthen yourself, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. We'll stop our reading there today, but we'll consider the rest of the chapter as we go through this message. And uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thanks so much for everything you've given to us. Thank you for uh, the morning message from Pastor. Thank you so much for that. And uh, Lord, I ask you to uh, please meet with us one more time uh, today as we uh, look at 1 Samuel and uh, as we look at the uh, consequences of despising you and choosing ourself over you. 
And uh, Lord, how that, how that played out in the life of Israel. Please help us, Father, and uh, speak to our hearts. Help us to become more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look back at 1 Samuel chapter number 3 and verse number, uh, verse number 12, you recall uh, last week that Samuel uh, was approached by God in, in a literal way, and uh, God gave Samuel a message that Samuel was supposed to pass on to Eli. And notice in 1 Samuel 3.12, uh, part of the message that God gave to Samuel was this, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. And then notice this, When I begin, I will also make an end. Now, as you read through the Bible, you find that that could be a positive thing, right? Philippians chapter number 1, verse 6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And so, it's a good thing that God keeps his word, whatever it is. It can be positive, that, and, and, and I'm sure that many of you could testify of that, that God has done a great work in you, and He started it, and you've progressed, and you've grown in the faith, and He's begun a good work in you, and He will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And, and there's positive implications to that, but we find a negative implication here, and that is that God prophesied, He gave a message against Hophni and Phinehas, and He would bring it to end. He would, he would follow through with what he said. And, and so he said when he, when he makes a beginning, he will also make an end. And we find that in our passage today in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. Now, Hophni and Phinehas, you remember that they were wicked folks, right? Uh, they were called the sons of Belial. Worthless people who practice lawlessness. That's what the sons of Belial are. And so that, that's who they were. They, they were adulterers. They stole. They took more than what was allowed from them. And uh, that was the kind of people they were, which is terrible. But to add that on, these were the priests. These were supposed to be the religious leaders. These were supposed to be the good examples to the people of Israel. And here they were practicing lawlessness and practicing theft and practicing adultery. And, and so God says in 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and, and again in chapter number 3 that, that those who dis- despise God, those who do what they want rather than what He wants, will be lightly esteemed of God. And we see that here. And uh, so verse number 1 of chapter number 4, we find that Israel and uh, the Philistines are in battle. This was not an uncommon experience. They, they were kind of mortal enemies. They fought very often through the Old Testament. The Philistines and the Israelites did. And, and here they are again back at it. And so uh, the Philistines are pitched in Aphek and Israel is pitched, uh, they, they put their camp in Ebenezer. Uh, this was only about two miles away. Now, I don't know a lot about war strategies, but it seems like that's pretty close. It seems like maybe a little too close for comfort. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but it seems like you might want to pitch your tents a little bit farther away so the enemy's not too close to you. But they were real close, and so they, they, they were fighting there. And it says the first day, or in the first part of the battle, in verse number 2, that Israel loses 4,000 men. That's quite a great loss. It doesn't matter how big your army is, losing 4,000 people is tough. And so they lose a bunch of people, and the people of Israel go to the elders of, the camp of Israel, and they say, what's happened here? What's going on? Why did we lose all this people? And uh, what, you know what we should do is we should bring the Ark of the Covenant from 20 miles away from Shiloh. We should bring it here uh, so that we can win the battle, so that we can win against the Philistines. 
This is not a crazy idea because it had been done before. Uh, Moses, had, Moses had done, had brought the presence of God, and Joshua had brought the presence of God. And, and when the presence of God was there, uh, the, Israel was victorious. We, we see that many times uh, in, in Joshua and in, in, in uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We see that a lot of times. And so uh, Israel again thought, as they go to battle, we should bring the Ark of the Covenant here because the Ark of the Covenant was where God uh, would dwell in Israel. And so he said, why, should, why don't we bring this here so that we can be victorious over our mortal enemies? It sounds like a pretty good plan. So notice what happens. They bring the, they bring the ark, and of course, with the ark comes the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests, and, and they go. And so uh, when, the, the, when the ark of the covenant finally gets there, everybody's pretty excited about it. I, I would be too. The ark of the covenant usually signifies victory. And so everybody gets pumped. I mean, they're, they're excited, right? They, it says that they've shouted so loud that the earth rang again. People nearby could hear. People probably pretty far away could hear. They were so excited that they lifted up their voices so loud. And notice that, uh, notice that the Philistines took notice of the sound that happened in Israel. The Philistines heard it, uh, and they were afraid of it. Uh, verse number 6 and 7, the Philistines heard the noise of the shout two miles away. And they heard it, and they said, What means this noise of the great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us. Guys, this is not good news. This is bad news. Because when, when Israel brings the ark of the covenant, that means that we're going to lose. And so what, is, what do the Philistines do? They rally themselves. They, they, they pump their soldiers up, they, uh, they, they take rest, they sharpen their swords, they quit themselves like men, they, they rally themselves together and they, they fortify themselves to, to prepare for this, for this upcoming battle. And uh, so notice that uh, verse number 10, what happens? And the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten. Well, that's not supposed to happen. They had the Ark of the Covenant with them. They had what signified the presence of God with them. But they lost. And not only did they lose, they lost pretty bad. It wasn't just 4,000 this time. It was 30,000. 30,000 footmen. Uh, who knows how many else, right? That's just the footmen. Who knows how many else? But notice, notice that they lost. And notice what else happened. Verse number 11. The ark, of the, God, the ark of God was taken. It was gone. The Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. And notice verse number 11, the end of it. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. What God begins, God ends. God said he would, take the arm, he would cut off the arm of Eli, that he would cut off his authority, that he would cut off his family from being the priesthood. Uh, and, and, and so and it's not fully happened yet, but Eli, uh, Hophni and Phinehas died. They died. They were not the priests anymore. Right? You can't be the priest if you're dead. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad most of you are following me on that. Uh, they, they were dead. They, they, God, what God said came to pass. And so verse number 12, where we stopped reading, And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. 
And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. Eli was still in Shiloh. He was a priest. He wasn't a soldier. Uh, he didn't need to be in the battle. Uh, so he was waiting. He was waiting to hear. And I'm sure he was waiting for the Ark of the Covenant to come back. Uh, but he doesn't see that. What he sees instead is a messenger. A messenger runs all the way back to Shiloh and he brings this message with him. Uh, and we know it's not going to be a good message. And so the man came to the city and he told it. His heart was, oh, sorry, sorry Eli's heart trembled for the Ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And Eli heard the noise of the crying, and he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of this army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath also been a great slaughter among the people. That's part one of the message. That's not a good message to bring. But also, notice the second part, which is of great interest to Eli. Uh, Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're dead. That's not a good message. Then the third part, and the ark of God is taken. Notice Eli's response. It came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. It wasn't necessarily the news of the army that lost all of the men. It wasn't necessarily the, the news of his two sons that had been killed in battle. But it was the mention of the ark of God that made him fall backwards. And he was old, and, and uh, he had, it says here that he was heavy. And he had probably practiced the same way that Hophni and Phinehas did, where he would take more than what was allowed from him uh, in, in the law. And so he would take more meat than was possible. And so he's, he was heavy, and he, he dies there. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. But what happens because the ark of, the God, was, uh, the ark of God was taken? Verse number 19 and his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. She was pregnant. She was going into labor prematurely. Uh, she, was, she was not quite ready yet, but she was going into labor now, and, and there, her, her son was going to come. And uh, notice there, verse number uh, 20, about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. That's quite an interesting phrase, because you recall that that's been a, a big part of First uh, Samuel chapters number 1 and 2, that, that Hannah prayed for a son, and, and everything would have been okay had she gotten a son. And, 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 and here we find that that's, that's, the, that's the mindset of the people of Israel. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't worry about the battle that's happening. Don't be afraid that the priests are dead. Don't be afraid that your father-in-law has died. Don't be afraid that your husband's died. Don't worry about that because you have a son now. But that's no consolation. Notice, fear not for thou hast born a son, but she, re- she answered not. Neither did she regard it, and she, it ends up that she died. Verse number 21, before she died, she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Notice this, that 
that the ark of God was taken, and you know this, and I mentioned it just a few minutes ago, that the ark of God was, the, uh, was where God would dwell with Israel. That's where he limited himself to at different times. Not all the time, but uh, at different times he would limit himself to the ark of the covenant. That's where his presence was with the people of Israel. As the, as the, uh, as the ark of God would have rested in the holy of holies in the tabernacle, and it, as it was pitched in Shiloh, uh, we find that that's where God dwelt. And so Israel... Uh, thought that if they brought the Ark of the Covenant, this piece of furniture that was, it was a beautiful piece of furniture from the descriptions that we have of it. We, we don't have the actual Ark today. Um, it, it's been lost to who knows where. Um, but, we, but we do know from the descriptions that it would have been a very beautiful piece of furniture. And so the Israelites thought, if we bring this piece of furniture to the army, to the battle, then certainly we're going to win. Certainly we will. If we bring this piece of furniture there, not if we bring God here. If we bring the piece of furniture here, then we're going to win. But notice that their, that their relationship with God didn't really matter to them because they willingly brought Hophni and Phinehas to the battle. Wickedness. They were, they were okay with that. But they said, as long as we bring this good luck charm to the battle, then we'll be okay. As long as God's our good luck charm, as long as we just paste his name onto whatever we're doing, then we'll be fine. As long as, uh, as, long as we don't have to really change our life, as long as we don't have to really be uh, followers of God like we're supposed to be, but as long as we just look the part, we'll be okay. As long as we have this piece of furniture, we'll win. But it didn't happen. Because the thing is, is that God to them was not God. He was just a good luck charm. It was just a good luck charm. Well, Israel wouldn't have done this, but maybe people today do this. You know, I'm not going to live for God, but I will put a Bible verse in my Instagram bio. I'm not going to live for God in my business. I'm not going to run my business uh, the way that, that would be honoring to God, but I will put Bible verses on my business cards. I will say that we're a Christian business, but I'll have nothing to do with what God really wants me to do. It doesn't matter if I have the presence of God or not, but I'll, I'll take his name and I'll try to take his blessings from it. I'll, I'll try to do whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and if I put God on it, it's going to be okay. But can I tell you, it's not going to be okay. That's not what God wants. God does not want to be used as a good luck charm for your life. Because he's God. He is God Almighty. The one who created the universe, the one who with a single word could have created the entire universe. Uh, the one who could do whatever, he is omnipotent, right? He is all-powerful. And he, at times, would limit himself to the Ark of the Covenant, but he didn't do it all the time. Just because they had the Ark of the Covenant didn't mean that they had God. And that's exactly what happened, because they had the Ark, but they didn't have him. The, notice the Philistines thought that they had him, Right? The Philistines thought that they had God. They, they said there uh, that they understood the Ark of the Lord was coming to the, into the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. They were more interested about what the Ark of the Covenant actually meant than Israel was. The Israelites were afraid of God, but Israel didn't even care to use him in reality. And so in your life, are you using God as a good luck charm? 
Yeah, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk in a way that, that uh, when I'm with my friends, I'm not going to act like God exists. But, you know, I'll come to church and I'll, I'll sing the right songs and, and I'll raise my hands sometimes to, 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 to see, to act like I'm, I'm, I'm really with God. But in your heart, you're far from him. God is a good luck charm to you. You, you come and you know the right words to say and you know the right clothes to wear and you know the right songs to sing and you, and you know the right things to do. But, but as, as Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he said that they drew nigh to me with their lips, but their heart was far from him. God was a good luck charm to them. And so I want to ask you, are you interested in the actual presence of God or just looking like you have the presence of God? Are you interested in a real relationship with him or just looking like you have a relationship with him? Because those are different things. It's different. And so I want to encourage you this afternoon that, that you would not be as Israel that, that just used God as a good luck charm. Because notice what happened. The, the ark was taken. And with the ark, when the ark was taken, God was taken. He, he left. He left. Why? Because they weren't interested in having him. They weren't interested in having God. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to do whatever they want. And remember 1 Samuel chapter 2 that whoever despises God will be lightly esteemed. And so are you honoring God in a real way? Is God God to you? Or is God a good luck charm to you? Do you just paste his name on whatever you're doing? Or do you try to do what he wants you to do? Oh, you know, yeah, I just, uh, this is not always the case, but this, this played out sometimes in Bible college where we would, uh, you know, two people would be, uh, you know, a guy and a girl would be dating, and then out of nowhere they would break up, and so you'd ask one of them, well, uh, you know, what, why'd you break up? And um, in, in reality, they broke up because they didn't want to be together anymore, but they would say this, well, I just didn't have peace about it, right? It wasn't about God at all. You just didn't, and that's okay, like, you can break up, but don't paste God's name on something that he had no business doing, Right? And it plays out in a lot of ways, and I mentioned some of them, but I just want to, I just want to encourage you this afternoon, and I want to, I want to, hopefully, I want to, I want to push you further to this, that you would have a real relationship with God where the presence of God is real to you and not just something that you add on to what you're doing. That He's just, He's actually God to you and not a good luck charm. In every aspect of your life, is He a good luck charm to you or is He God? Father, thank you so much for, uh, for being God. And I ask you to help us to have our priorities straight, that you would help us to live in a way that's honoring to you, that you, would, that you would help us to live in a way where you are not just something that we tack on to the side, uh, but that you are what we are truly interested in living for and living with. And uh, Lord, I ask you please help us in the time of invitation. If you've spoken to hearts, Father, I ask you would please do a great work. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand together, please, the piano begins to play. Have you decided to follow Jesus in a real way? Not just tacking him on, not just using him as a good luck charm, not just posting a verse in your Instagram bio, in your Facebook page, sharing a verse every once in a while. Not that, but actually living for God and having him be God in your life. Is that what you've done? I hope that it, I hope that it has, and if not, the Lord can help you. If Brother Jay sings verse number one, I have decided.
turn